Welcome to Church on the Hill. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Paul. It's my wife, beautiful wife, Elizabeth. We're so glad you're here this morning. Amen. Amen. God is good all the time. Hallelujah. Well, uh, it's been a few weeks since I've preached uh, on Sunday. It's been three weeks. Hallelujah. And I'm ready. I'm ready to go. How about you? Romans chapter 8. Get your Bibles back out. We had such a great service last week with Brother Jimmy Arms. I was so um, th- uh, blown away by his message on righteousness and I felt like just how appropriate it was and just how kind and um, powerful and, and uh, how thankful I was to have him here. And just want to encourage you to uh, <clears throat> recognize the Lord's moving in our city. The Lord's moving in our church. And I want to encourage you, invite people, bring people in. Let us uh, invite them to your life groups and lo- invite them into your homes and share the gospel with them. They're not going to hear it unless we share it. And I want to encourage you, share it. Uh, I was talking with somebody this weekend about, uh, they were just asking me about my sermon preparation and and about, you know, how do I go through it and how much pressure is on it. You know, I said, you know, I I had a moment as a worship leader where I had the whole pressure of the world on me to lead worship. And I would go home and I would be very hateful to my children and to my wife if the congregation didn't respond like I thought they should respond in worship. And the Lord, I, don't, I haven't had many of these moments, but I had one of those moments where the Lord sat me down and talked to me. How many of you know a good, a good father will stop you and sit you down and talk to you and talk to you from their heart to your heart? And not a talk that was to beat me down, but a talk to get me back on the right track. And basically, the Lord said, how dare you worry about the outcome? The the Father just told me, he just said, that's my job. Your job, Pastor Paul's job as the worship leader, just be obedient and do what I've called you to do. And I I want to now encourage you, share the gospel. Don't worry about the results. The results aren't your problem. They're God's problem. You can't save someone. But it's our job to proclaim the gospel to the, to the nation, to your workers, to your friends, to your family. And it says that his word won't return void. You may not catch that fish right away. Someone else may catch it. But at least you've been obedient. And if you go away and you feel like, man, that didn't work out well at all. I'll never do that again. That's Satan trying to rob you of what you're called to do. Keep fishing, keep proclaiming, keep giving the word. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to keep giving the word, regardless of the response. Not that you don't respond well, you respond great. We've got a very loving church and on fire church. But I want to encourage you, when it comes to sharing the gospel, you may have some bad experiences. Well, everybody has experiences, good and bad. But don't stop fishing. Don't stop doing what we all know as Christians we're called to do, and that is to go to all the nations and share the gospel. Amen? All right. If we don't get anything, that's what we're supposed to get as a church. We're not in here to get saved again. Some may be here and don't know the Lord, but we're saved. Now we've got to get equipped and go out. Go out. Let's go. Risk it all. Man, the Lord loves it when you risk for him. The Lord loves it when you forsake all and follow him. 
Romans 8. We're, we've been seeing a couple weeks ago about how God loves us and how he does not condemn us. I'm going to review a little bit this morning. We've been talking, have you, have you ever said this to yourself? I'm no good. I'm just no good. I know you have. I have. We've all done it. I'm no good. It's a genuine feeling that many times that we have. But you know what? We can't cover it up. We can't avoid it. We can't ignore it. We need to examine it. We need to set it out on the table and say, why do I think like this? And two simple things that the Lord says in the first four verses of Romans chapter 8 that I believe deals with this statement, I'm not going to make it. I'm no good. I never will be any good. Number one, out of Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8, and I encourage you, read this chapter this week. I'm just going to briefly go over it this morning. Romans chapter 8, and this is review from two weeks ago. Number one, we have got to hear God's promise. What is God's promise? That there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. What? This is such an incredible promise. You know, I think that religion and repetition causes us to miss sometimes the impact of the Word of God because we've heard it so many times. It's a good thing to hear it so many times, but sometimes you need to slow down and listen to it like you just heard it the first time. What does that mean, no condemnation? I've got, if I'm going to quit condemning myself, I have to hear God's promise. When you really hear the promise about condemnation, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You start to see yourself in a new way. You start to see yourself in the way that God sees you. You know what? You can start to have value again if you'll start to see yourself the way God sees you. But do you remember, no condemnation does not mean no mistakes. It doesn't mean no problems. It doesn't even mean no sin. It doesn't mean no struggles. That is not what no condemnation means. We are going to have struggles in the Christian life. It's a struggle enough to be the kind of person that God wants us to be. But when we struggle, but, we, but it means that we struggle without condemnation. It means that God is beginning to treat us in a new way. He's beginning to treat us in the way that he desires to treat us because of what he has done through Christ Jesus. But what does that mean? No condemnation. It's hard to get a grasp of what it really means. And let's look at four things this morning about what it means, no condemnation. What does condemnation mean? It means God is not angry with you. What a concept. God's not angry with you. In Christ Jesus, we have made peace with God. And because of that, Psalms 103 says, And because of that, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers we are but dust. Do you know that God knows you struggle with sin? He knows. You know, it's like a child that comes and has struggles. You know what? Mom and dad know what you're struggling with because they've been through it. We understand. When a child comes and says, I'm battling with this, I understand. I've battled with that. And it says that Jesus was tempted in every way. That the things that Jesus faced were the same things that we faced. He understands. What are you facing? I want you to know that you've got a Father in heaven that understands. 
He has compassion on his children. Do you remember how I gave this, this analogy about a sheep that wandered away from the flock? If you can imagine a shepherd out with a hundred sheep and one of them gets away and gets caught in a thicket, wanders off where it shouldn't be, and it knows it shouldn't be there. It's been around the shepherd enough to know he's supposed to be around, but he's gotten away. What will the shepherd do? Will he go and cuss him out? Will he go and say, you're such an idiot. What a stupid sheep. And then kick him. You big dummy. No. That's not what a shepherd does, is it? He goes and he gets him loose. And he leads him back to the group. That's what our Father God does. When we get out of, out of place, he finds us. He rescues us. He delivers us. He restores us. He loves us. You know, so many times when we sin, we start looking around for the lightning bolt. Where's the lightning bolt? Am I going to get struck down? The next time you get caught up in some sin, instead of looking for the lightning bolt, why don't you look for the loving arms of Christ? You know, the prodigal had ran off in sin. And the story that Jesus gives us about the kingdom of God is there's the Father waiting to receive him back. Now, you may say, Pastor, that almost sounds like a, uh, a free ticket to sin. No, I believe it's just the opposite. When you realize that God loves you no matter what, I believe it's the solution to sin. Kind of the desire kind of leaves when you know the Lord, the Lord loves me. As long as you think God's mad at you, you do, do you even like to talk to someone that's mad at you? Do you pick up the phone and call someone knowing that they're mad at you? That they're either going to hang up on you or yell at you? No, it's no wonder that you don't go to God in the, middle, in the middle of your problems because you think he's mad at you. He's not mad at you. There's no condemnation. But also, and I, I, you know, this one I, I kind of think wants to shake us up just a little bit. Number two, there's no condemnation means that God does not punish me as a believer. Now, I'm going to clarify this. Psalm 103, verse 10. Again, this is review, and I'm almost done. He has not punished us as we deserve for our sins, for his mercy towards those who fear and honor him is, are as great as the height of the heavens and above the earth. He has removed our sin as far away from us as the east is from the west. What is so great? His mercy. His mercy is so great. Now, he doesn't punish us as we deserve, but he does correct us. He does straighten us out. You know, that moment that I had with the Lord where he sat me down and told me, how dare I kind of get involved in the places I shouldn't be involved, that was correction, and I knew it was him. And you know what? It's painful to be corrected. But it says in Scripture that the Lord corrects those that he loves. And a good father helps teach a child how to be safe, how to be successful, how to stay out of traps, how to fight. And I don't mean go out here and be a bully, but how to fight. We've got to learn how to fight. You know what? The Lord has equipped us to fight, to battle, to win. I know so many times when, when we sin and when, when we're in the wrong position and the wrong thing happens in our life, we think God's getting me. Do you remember? Your car won't start. Well, that's because of the sin I'm in. Or your tire's flat or somebody's keyed your car or somebody's vandalized your whatever, you know, somebody's done this or done that. Well, God's just getting me back. Do you remember the example I gave? You go through Taco Bell and there's no meat in your taco. Well, God's getting me. 
That is not the kind of God God is. You know, if my child needed to be corrected, I wouldn't remove the sloppy Joe meat from the sloppy Joe and not tell him and wait for him to bite into it. I mean, my wife does all the cooking. I don't do the cooking, but I tell her, don't put the meat in this one. But don't tell him. Just let him find out. That's not how a dad operates. God does discipline us sometimes. But you know what? When he does, it's clear. You can understand it. You know that he's trying to get, teach you. You know, God's not trying to knock you down. God's not trying to get at you. He's trying to grow you. That's what a parent does, tries to grow them so that when they get out from under your covering, they won't fall in a pit. Right? No condemnation. What else does it mean? I think this is a biggie. That God does not reject us. We live in such a, such a nation, in such a time where we feel rejected. What does that mean to not be, that we're not condemned? It means that God will not reject his people. It says that he will never forsake his inheritance. God will never cut you out of his family. He'll never treat you anything less than sons and daughters. For there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For a lot of people, when you hear the word condemned, you think of a cold stare of isolation. You think of rejection. You think of the silent treatment. You think of turning your back on someone or ignoring them. Can I give you a little bit of, can, let me give you a word. Do you think that the man who went to the cross for your sins would ever turn his back on you? Ever. Ever. Never. He knew he, who he was paying the price for. And it was for sinners like you and me. Yet he loved us. And he still loves us. The one who shouldered our sins will never turn a cold shoulder to you. You're never going to get the silent treatment from God. And then finally, number four, no condemnation means God does not keep his blessings from me. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says this. It says, praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say this. Say in Christ. In Christ, God has given us, given us every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. Who has he given the blessing to? Those who are in Christ. Sometimes we, we fail to receive God's blessing, the blessing that God wants to give, give to us in our life, but, we, but he never stops giving the blessing. You know, there are consequences to sin. There are times in our lives when an opportunity is lost or ministry is lost or even a family is lost. But as a believer in Christ, we are never cut off from the blessing. Praise be to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, for in Christ God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. Can you see that the mistake is not on God's part, it's on our part? Let me, let me, picture, to you, let me picture it to you like this. Imagine coming to a, a table full of food. This is the table of the Lord. 
this is the provision of the Lord, but it just happens to be in, in food. All the drinks, all the desserts, all the fruit, all the casseroles, all the fried chicken, everything you could ever want. Uh, Elizabeth and I went to a restaurant in uh, Savannah. We had had some bad weather at, at Hilton Head, and we went to Savannah and went to a place called Mrs. Wilkes Boarding House. Been there for years. President Obama had ate there. And we went there and had to wait in line, and it was family style. And Elizabeth had already read, but she had told the kids, but I wasn't paying attention like a good husband does. I'm standing there, and probably she's probably even talking to me, but I didn't hear it. So I got in there, and we got to sit with all these other strangers. Like, what is going on here? And you know how kids are. They want to sit by mom and dad and be in the middle, and we're stuck out here sitting by the strangers, right? So I'm sitting here, and I'm like, okay. And the table's full. The, the, the table's full of food. It's completely full. Fried chicken, barbecue, beef stew, uh, squash, squash, mashed potatoes, rutabaga, whatever that is. Um, collard greens, sweet potatoes. Man, I mean, it's full. And we didn't have to wait. They just sat down and you just dig in. Well, imagine the table of the Lord. That here's his blessing sitting right here. And we take, let's say we take... The squash, y'all might say amen. But uh, we take the squash and we dump it on the floor. Now God had the provision, but we missed it. God had the provision. It was completely his desire to bless you with that. But out of our issues, sometimes we miss the blessing. Have you ever missed a blessing because of something you've done? I have. I have dumped, and, and I like squash. It's not like dumping broccoli. I, I'm not a big lover of broccoli. I eat it. But, you know, dumping the broccoli would probably could do without that. But not the squash. Not the fried chicken. Not the banana pudding. Not that. Not that. But how many times, you know, sometimes in our lives do we miss it? The truth is, God will never say to you, leave my table. You don't deserve to be here. You get up and leave. Nope, it says that in Christ, he has provided every spiritual blessing. God has given us every spiritual blessing. For those who are in Christ, maybe we waste them. Maybe we don't take advantage of those blessings. But the Lord does not remove his blessing from us. And I, again, don't want to sound like this is a license for sin or that it's a way to escape from sin. We have all lost something because of sin. But I want to ask you this question. If God doesn't condemn those who are in Christ and you are in Christ then who are you to condemn yourself? If God doesn't condemn me, then who am I to condemn myself? Let me put it this way. Have you ever said this? If God doesn't punish me, maybe I should punish myself. Or maybe this. If I punish myself, then maybe God won't punish me. Any way that you look at that, any of those three scenarios, let me tell you what that is. And this is going to be a little harsh, but I think it's accurate. It's blasphemy. 
when we start to try to do the things that only the Lord is supposed to do, or maybe the Lord says, you are not supposed to do this, but you do it anyway, you are trying to take the place of God. And there is no other way to look at that except that it is wrong, it's sin, and it's blasphemy. Blasphemy is me trying to take the place of God. When Jesus tried to claim to be the God of the, uh, uh, to be God, what did the religious leaders say? Blasphemy. They did not realize he was the Son of God. Anybody who tries to take the place of God and do what only God can do is acting in a blasphemous way. If I say there is some way that I can punish myself to pay for my sins, that's blasphemy. Can you see that? When you try to punish yourself for your sin, Jesus paid the price for that. You are now trampling on what he has done for you. I cannot do what God only can do. Only God can pay for my sins. If God doesn't condemn you, stop condemning yourself. And you are free to do that if you are in Christ. The practical side of this is that condemnation doesn't work. It doesn't work to change us Has nagging ever changed you? You know what? It may change you for a moment, but down deep, we go right back to the way that we were going. That's what Scripture teaches us. The Bible teaches us in Romans 7 and then in chapter 8 that nagging makes things worse. Why? Have you ever noticed that when you try to push someone to do something or condemn somebody, make them feel guilty into doing something, what do they normally do? They fight against it. Why does that happen? It's not just human nature. There's a spiritual principle here. It's because we're setting up a rule as law that condemnation as a law in their life. And the law always awakens us to sin. It doesn't destroy sin. The law doesn't destroy sin. It just makes aware of sin. And you know what? Sometimes it just makes us want to fight against it. That's why it doesn't work. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For who? For those who are in Christ. We're talking about those who are in Christ. We are either in Adam or we are in Christ. We are either living the old way, the sinful way, separated from God, or we are living under the new covenant, the covenant of mercy and grace, the covenant of Jesus Christ has paid for my sins. I don't have to pay for those sins. They have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Are we in Christ living as a new creation under the new covenant with a relationship with God? In those who are in Christ, enjoy the great blessing of a life of no condemnation, of no guilt. You know what? If you've been forgiven, if you've asked the Lord to forgive you, if you've come and you've repented and you've turned, you've turned, you've repented, you've stopped, then I want you to walk out of here today free. Because the Lord's not holding you accountable for that sin anymore. It's been paid. It's been removed as far as the east is to the west. The Lord doesn't even hardly, I don't want to say hardly, I can't speak for the Lord, but it says that he removes it. It's been removed from his presence. Why is it still in yours? One of the hardest things in our life is to forgive ourselves. 
You know, those who are in Christ, it's not those who are in ministry or those who are in church or those who are in a Bible study or those who are in a good mood. It's those who are in Christ. Once you understand God's promise, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I'm saying this so much this morning because I know so many people that are still sitting there thinking, I don't believe it. I hear this in the Bible. I hear the pastor saying it. But you know what? So many times you got to hear it and hear it and hear it again. That Jesus loves you. Even though you've walked in here a sinner, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. And if I will come to Christ, if I will come to the Lord. You know, those who are in Christ come to Christ. Those who are in Christ turn to the Lord and repent and walk out of here clean. Pastor, I'm, a, I'm saved, but I sin. Well, join the crowd. Jesus has made a way for you. Come to him and repent and walk out of here clean and turn. That sin that you're walking through, come to, the, come to the cross and cry out to the Lord again. Forgive me. And Lord, I turn. And then you got to turn. Turn. Church, turn from your sin. You want free from your sin? God has provided every spiritual blessing for you. But you've got to turn from your sin. It tells us in Scripture that the Lord has given you the power over sin. Turn. Turn. I don't have to condemn myself anymore because God doesn't condemn me. With Pastor, Pastor Paul this morning was talking, I, I just kept thinking about the um, example that we have of forgiveness and love um, just in our families. And I keep thinking about um, the things that I tell my children and how beautiful it is when my children repent and how much I love it um, when they say they're sorry. And, you know, one thing that I've always done with my children is I've given them the example. And let, let me first say before I say all of this, do you know that you model God's love towards your children? You, as a parent, model God's love. And one of the things that we always talk about when the children have gotten into trouble or had a problem is, that, is when they apologize, when they repent and, and ask me or daddy or, you know, and we always encourage them to pray and ask God to forgive them. When they ask for that forgiveness, you know, we've always given the example, it's like it was up there, their, their sin or their mistake, it was like it was on a dry erase board, you know, for the whole world to see. But when they say they're sorry, you know what? It's erased. You can't see that anymore. Nobody sees that anymore. And you know what? We're not going to talk about it again. We're not going to talk about that anymore. We don't have to talk about it anymore. And you know, that's how God is. You know what? It's over. It's done. You're forgiven. And you know, one of the things that I say to my kids, another thing that I say is I say, you know what? When they start apologizing and repenting, I say, you know what? You've got a heart like David, King David. He messed up, and he would come and repent. And you know what? It's a beautiful thing. And so I encourage you as a parent, love your kids like that. And you know what? When they say they're sorry, it's over. It's done. I love you. And I know sometimes we have to walk out worldly consequences. I know that. You know, I'm not saying let them buy with everything. I mean, there's, sometimes there's a, 
a consequence to the action, and we're going to walk that thing on out. But you know what? When they've repented, I forgive you, and I love you. And another thing that I say to my kids, and I can just feel God saying this to us this morning, no matter what you ever do, I will always love you. I don't care what you ever do. I will always love you. And I think that's how Father loves. I will love you regardless. I love you even though. And I think that's what you're saying this morning with this. There's no condemnation. There's just not. It's just over. And so I just encourage you, if you've got something playing over in your mind that you just think, yeah, but I just did that. I, I did that. I just, it, I just can't. You know, I can't move forward with God from here. But you know what? I think he's here this morning saying, you know what? I don't care what you ever did. I love you. Father loves you. And he forgives you. He forgives you. you. All you have to do is just say, you know what, God? I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And he just wipes it clean. Clean slate. Clean slate. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for, a, for, a, for someone that we can call on, Lord, that, that loves us. That no matter what, no matter how our earthly father might have been, our mother, our relationships here on this earth, we have someone who loves us. And Lord, that as we come to you, and as we ask for forgiveness, as we say that we're sorry, and as we genuinely turn, Lord, you forgive us. And the restoration process begins. The rebuilding process begins. And I thank you that you are a God of new beginnings. Are you here today and do you know Jesus? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Today is a day of new beginnings. Have you turned away from him and run off, but you want to return so bad, but you feel like he wouldn't receive you? I want you to know right now, he receives you. New beginnings. Are you hurting and you need prayer? I want you to know that God is a God who has his arms wide open, ready for you. Ready to receive you, ready to heal you, ready to restore you. What is your need this morning? Is it to receive the Lord? Is it to return to the Lord? Is it for breakthrough? Is it for healing? Is it for a job? Then that this altar call this morning is for you. Will you guys stand up with me? Just pray right now, Lord, that you would soften our hearts. And Lord, allow us as men and women to, to drop our pride and to come and ask for help. You give grace to the humble. Thank you, Lord. Receive us this morning as we step out in faith and as we sing. Amen. Those that are ministering, step on out here with me if y'all don't mind. And you guys step on out and let us pray for you this morning.